Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So thankful that you're listening to the Tuesday broadcast. And today, I want to drive home one word, and that word is truth. Now, here's a truth statement. You can become a new person. Here's another truth statement. You will not become a different person until you want to. Let me begin by sharing this illustration. You know, seatbelts can be a hassle. Uh, Some people just don't want to be bothered even when the law requires them to buckle up. Well, according to the Associated Press, a New Zealander named Ivan Zegeden took it to an extreme. Uh, The police ticketed Ivan 32 times over five years for failing to use his seatbelt. Even though it was costing him big money, Ivan just refused to buckle up. Finally, instead of obeying the law, he decided to rely on deception. He made a fake seatbelt that would hang over his shoulder and make it appear that he was wearing a seatbelt when he was not. Now, his trick worked for a while. Then he had a head-on collision. He was thrown forward into the steering wheel and unfortunately killed. Discussing the accident, the coroner described the fake seatbelt. Though his car, he said, was fitted with seatbelts, an extra belt with a long strap had been knotted above the seatbelt on the driver's side, providing a belt so simply to sit over the driver's shoulder. When truly tested, what it is was fake, and it failed him. You see, today, as we think about truth, the belt of truth, I was out shopping not too long ago, and I forgot to put something on. It was my deodorant. I would be okay with that if it was my belt. The entire time I'm out, I'm constantly pulling up my trousers, right? Pulling up my pants. In our day and age, for most time, anyway, this belt is very personal and very purposeful, okay? So let's talk about the belt of truth. We're talking about something very important. Exodus 12, 11, this is how you are to eat. When your cloak is tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff on your hand, you're to eat it hurriedly. It's the Lord's Passover. And so here we see the belt that is being used, the belt of truth to hold everything together. And the belt of truth is a metaphor for being prepared. Uh, Fasten on that belt, right? And buckle up. Be ready. Righteousness will be his belt, Isaiah 11.5 says. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness is the sash around his waist. So when you look at this matter of truth, God and truth, and as we think about truth, I want to tell you about Lloyd John Ogilvie. He was a chaplain in the United States Senate until his passing in 2003, and he shared the story of a former U.S. Senator, Max Cleland, who lost both of his legs and his right hand in Vietnam. And he came to the Bible study withdrawn and tired, and so the senator said, Now, Max, Are you all right? Not really, he said. I've been having the same dream for 30 years. I accidentally drop that grenade, and I leap on it, and it explodes and blows my legs off. That night, the study group gathered around Max and prayed that the Lord would heal him of that memory. Did you know that just two days later, the History Channel broadcast his story just as he remembered it? A man from Annapolis saw it, and he phoned the senator. Senator. You have the story all wrong. That wasn't your grenade. It was a young recruit behind you who had opened the pins on his grenade before jumping out of the helicopter. One of them popped out of his belt, rolled on the ground. You leaped on it, and you saved all of us. 
I wrapped you up myself, and I got you to the hospital. I was on that helicopter. I know how it happened. Now, Max came to the next Bible study, a whole new man. He said a gigantic load had been lifted off of his shoulders. The study group had been studying Romans 8.28, where in the Greek it says that all things, that God works all things together, and the subject of that sentence is that God works all things together for good. So now, remember, Senator, as he's hurrying around in his wheelchair, he'll call out to the Senate chaplain and says, remember, things don't work out. God works out things. Wow, the truth will set you free. So I want you to know that the truth is what will make me a person who is an overcomer. We are told to let our light so shine. And if it does, we won't need to tell anybody it does. Lighthouses don't have to have fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. So I want to talk about this word truth in the broadcast today, spelling out the word truth. And it's a a fascinating word, and it's a fascinating thing as to what truth can do for us. So let's look at truth from the biblical perspective and understanding the belt of truth. So first of all, the letter T in truth stands for transforms. Truth transforms us. John 6, 47, Jesus says, Very truly I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. That's the truth. If you believe in Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the one who believes has eternal life. It will change your life. You see, we get wrapped in God's truth, and when I'm wrapped in God's truth, I am at peace with God. Paul put it this way to the Colossian believers. Colossians 1, and 22. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in your mind, engaged in evil deeds... Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach. So the transformation that takes place from us is when we become a follower of God's truth, we're at peace with God. I am no longer considered blameless. I am beyond reproach. Well, let's get real specific. How does this truth transform us? Now, I think it's an act that is triggered by the power of faith. Ephesians 2 says, verse number 8, For by grace you are saved through faith. So the truth of salvation is heard. You believe it through faith, and it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So even the faith to be saved is a gift that is given to us by God. But it transforms us, changing the way that we think. You know, so many times we want our circumstances changed, and I get that. You know, we're in a bad situation. We want out of it. But God is more interested, I believe, in changing our minds than he is in changing our circumstances. You say, well, why does that really matter? Uh, Whether my mind has changed or my circumstances have changed, because your thoughts control your life. Guard your heart, says Solomon in Proverbs 4.23, because above all, guard it because that determines the course of your life. So guarding your heart means guarding the way that I think because the way that I think controls the destiny of my life. What's most important is not what happens to you, but how you think about what happens to you. My thoughts control my life. Here's something else. The mind is the battlefield for sin. 
Romans chapter 7, verse 22 and 23 says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. So Paul addresses this battle that is taking place, and it's a battle for the mind. He says, there's two powers that are pulling against me. They're at war in my mind. The power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. So the battle's real. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, I've discovered that the problems that I have in my life, the stresses that I have in my life, most of them are a battle of my mind. And when my mind is in the right place, it doesn't seem to matter what comes my way, I'm okay. But if my mind is in the wrong place, the littlest thing can get me upset. Now listen, as you think about the power of faith and the power of right thinking, maybe you are involved in a minor conflict with somebody and you can't get it out of your mind. And you're regurgitating that and you're rehearsing that and you're going over and over and over again in your mind. And this little molehill has become a mountain hill for you. I want to challenge you. Think about that situation in the right perspective. Don't make it bigger than it is. And don't deny it and pretend it doesn't exist. Seek forgiveness for that person. Somebody's done you wrong. Somebody's cut you off. It amazes me that people leave churches not over big things. Generally, it's very small, unresolved conflict. Somebody does something, they don't like it, they don't agree with it, uh, they get turned sideways on it, and they end up leaving the church. Why? Because their mind has embellished that offense, made it worse than it really is. So the mind is the battleground for sin. Number three, the mind also holds the key to peace. You know, unmanaged mind leads to great tension. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, Paul says, Romans 8, 6, it leads to death. So let your sinful mind be controlling your life. It will lead to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So this afternoon, as you're listening to this broadcast, I want you to feed your mind with truth. The Bible will set you free. Matthew 4, 4, some things are true, but won't be setting you free. The Bible will set you free. Psalm 119, 147. David says, I hope in your words. Did you know there are 7,000 promises in the Bible? So start freeing up your mind by focusing on these promises. It frees your mind because your mind can be focused in the right area. So let me review quickly the power of our faith as we look at transformation that takes place when we think right. Our thoughts are controlling our lives. The mind is the battlefield for victory over sin or to be defeated by sin. The mind holds the key to peace. Letter R. When we think about the word truth, we got to be ready, ready to receive that truth. Going back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So this buckle of truth, this belt of truth around our waist, we are told to stand firm. You see, the truth will stand firm with or without me, but I will only stand firm when I'm standing in the truth. So I must make a conscious decision. I'm going to stand in the truth. I know all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of false doctrine is going to come my way, but I'm going to stand in the truth. I am making a conscious decision. I am ready to stand in the truth. This involves 
Understanding the power of choices. Do you trust the truth? Guidance from God's word can be trusted. Jesus put it this way in John 16. He says, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. You know, there's a group up in Seattle that believes alcoholics cannot change. So the question is, can alcoholics overcome their addiction? Well, Seattle's Downtown Emergency Services Center doesn't seem to think so. So it spent $11 million on permanent housing for homeless alcoholics. Seattle taxpayers are fed up with spending $50,000 per alcoholic every year on recovery programs and prisons and emergency visits. So the solution is the 1811 East Lake, which is a housing complex that accommodates 75 alcoholics. The residents are allowed to drink all that they want, and they don't have to be in a recovery program as long as they're off the streets. Bill Hobson, the program's executive director, believes that most alcoholics can't change. Once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic, he says, citing the example of an alcoholic who got drunk 10 minutes after leaving a detox facility that he had been in for two months. Hobson and his group reject the transforming power of Jesus Christ and believe that some are beyond hope, some are beyond help, so the best thing we do is just put them in a housing unit and let them drink until they're completely satisfied. Now, if you don't believe in the power of choices, you will soon have your choices reduced. Listen, I know hundreds of men and women who are free from the addiction of alcohol. I know one man who was an alcoholic for over 20 years, and he's been set free. For the last four years, he hasn't touched a drink. He's been through some really horrific ordeals in his life. He lost somebody very close to him just recently, but he's not going back to that alcohol. He has been transformed by the truth of the power of Jesus Christ. That is what has set him free. So when I think about this matter of truth, are you ready for the truth? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You see, if you're not ready for the truth, the truth won't change you. It's only when we receive the truth that it will change us. We must be transformed by it through the power of faith. We must be ready to receive it. That is standing firm. And the letter U, we must understand that truth unchains us. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The power of freedom. I love how Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians 3.17. He says, now the Lord is a spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's right. When you're surrendered to the spirit of the Lord, you're not under slavery. You're under freedom. You know, you think about the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus is based on an, on objective facts, not personal opinion. You, you see, Jesus' resurrection, either it happened or it didn't happen. It is objective reality. So it cannot be true for one person and false for another. To prove the point, how many people will spend their whole life rejecting the resurrection of Christ? Others will embrace the resurrection of Christ and be saved. As I was giving the sermon in my church previously, I showed a picture of uh, those candies that are called sweet stripes. And I was trying to prove a point that these sweet stripes, which is basically a candy with red stripes in them, and I was asked, well, how many do you think are in this container? 
Now, I counted them, so I knew exactly how many there were in there. And uh, so I had so many different responses. Some said, well, there's 50 in there. Uh, some says there's 300 in there. Uh, one guy says, oh, there's over 500 in there. And uh, none of them got the exact right answer because I counted them. I, I had that personal experience with these sweet stripes. I said, nope, there's 202. Now, if I got up there and says, well, there's 168 uh, in there. And, uh, and somebody said, well, prove it. And I opened up the container and I started counting them. And then I got up to, I went past 168 and I finally said, no, that's 202. I was wrong. So when you think about objective and realizing the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you can prove the resurrection is wrong, if you can prove to me that the resurrection of Christ never took place, I will stop preaching the gospel. Yeah, I'll go, I go sell cars or do something else to make a living. If you can prove to me that the resurrection did not happen, and I will do everything I can to prove to you that the resurrection did happen. You know, when we think about the power of the resurrection, for over 2,000 years, people have believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they have been persecuted because of it. Uh, they have been rejected because of it. But their lives have been changed because of the power of the resurrection. Here's what I want to ask you. Are biblical claims objective facts, like the number of sweet stripes in the jar? Or are they only a matter of personal opinion, like one's preference for candy? Now, most students will conclude that religious claims belong in the category of the candy preference, like I prefer Reese's peanut butter cups over Snickers bars. Then I open the door to discuss the objective claims of Christianity. I pointed out that Christianity is based on an objective historical fact, the resurrection of Jesus. I remind them that while many people may reject the historical resurrection of Jesus, it is not the type of claim that can be true for you, but not true for me. You see, the tomb was either empty on the third day, or it was occupied. There's no middle ground. Before anyone can grasp the transforming power of the resurrection of Jesus, he or she must realize that it is a matter of objective fact, not of personal preference. You see, your life may not be changed because you're still chained up in your sins because you reject the resurrection. It doesn't change the fact of the resurrection taking place. It changes the fact that you are enslaved to your sin and you're still weighed down with guilt and shame. You're still going through life broken. I want you to know that the resurrection of Christ is a truth of the power of freedom to set you free. The truth will set you free, and you'll be free indeed. There's something else about truth. As we get down to the letter T, it trains us. David says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. The power of trust. Nicholas Carr is an expert on how technology is shaping our minds and our lives, and he lamented how the internet is, in his words, chipping away at our capacity and our contemplation. Mind experts are taking in this information, the way that the net distributes it, in a swiftly moving stream of particles. Then in an arresting image, Carr writes, once I was a scuba diver in the sea of the words, now I zip along and I surf like a guy on a jet ski. You see, just a, a week ago, these statistics were released. 
50% of American Christian pastors worry about preaching on hot topics. I tell you what, just preach the word, pastor. Just get the word out there. That'll be a, a hot topic. 69% of pastors feel pressured to discuss controversial issues. Well, the Bible addresses controversial issues, and so we're going to address it according to God's word. 64% feel limited by their ability. Well, let me give you some truth about lack of ability. The power of trust is realizing that as I proclaim the message, the message of the Word of God, it will not return void. It's going to go out there and it's going to do exactly what God intended it to do. You see, we don't have to just zip along uh, the surface like a guy on a jet ski. We can get down into the depths of God's Word and it can bless us and it can turn our lives around. Well, there's something else we got to know about truth and in the remaining minutes of our time together. The truth can either help you or hurt you. Let me review real quickly what we've gone through today in the broadcast. We began spelling out the word truth. Letter T stands for the fact that the truth transforms us. Jesus says, the one who believes in me has everlasting life. It changes the way that we think, and it gives us everlasting life. And in the letter R, we said the truth will get us ready for whatever comes our way. We're told to stand firm in the truth. We talked about the power of choices. As one dear friend of mine always would remind me, you have the power of a choice. You can do anything that you want in life, but you don't have the power over the consequences. You see, that is a truth statement. You can make any choice that you want. You can reject the resurrection of Christ. You can reject the sacrifice of Christ, but there's consequences that will follow for rejecting the free gift of salvation. And then we've got down to the letter U in spelling out the word truth, talking about the fact that the truth unchains us from our sin. It will set us free. You will know the truth, says Jesus, and the truth will set you free. And then we talked about the letter T and how the truth trains us. David crying out to the Lord, saying, Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. We talked about the power of trust. And lastly, in the broadcast today, I want to talk about how truth could either help you or hurt you. The psalmist said in Psalm 43.3, Send your light and your truth to guide me. Let them lead me to your house on your sacred mountain. Oh, what a powerful verse that is. That's the power of of guidance. Romans 8:14 says, "For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God." The truth of the spirit of God guiding us. Now I want you to know that if you embrace the truth, there's certain things that you can't do. You know, I can't follow the culture that doesn't follow God and be led by the Holy Spirit. Now this is so important as I look at modernism and I think of those false teachers that are creeping into the church today claiming to be led by the Spirit. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. They're being led by a human spirit or a demonic spirit because as we are led by the Spirit of God, we are told, don't follow the crowd when they do what's wrong. Exodus 23, verse number two. I don't follow the culture. I'm being led by the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of divination or not even a human spirit. It's the Spirit of God that will never lead me contrary to the Word of God. Number two, I not only can't follow the culture, but I can't follow friends who aren't led by God and led by the Spirit. First John reminds us, John says, My children, 
Let no one lead you in the wrong way. The man who does what is right is right with God in the same way as Christ is right with God. That's 1 John 3, 7. So I can't follow friends who aren't being led by God. I can't look to other sources beside God and be led by the Spirit. So don't listen to the prophets. Don't listen to those dreamers, those fortune tellers. We are told in Jeremiah 27, 9, we are to serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I also can't be led by my circumstances if I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. And I can't be led by my feelings if I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So what truth do I need to live out today? You know, truth may hurt for a little while, but a lie hurts forever. Embrace the truth and you will be set free. The truth of what Christ has done for us, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He gave us the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword. Will you embrace the truth of God's word and the truth of what Jesus did for us on that cross 2,000 years ago? Oh, today, would you receive this truth by receiving the gift of salvation? Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. If you have any questions of how I can help you on this, please shoot me a text at 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.